Hi, I'm Dave Miranda, General Counsel and Past President of the New York State Bar Association. Welcome to Miranda Warnings. You have the right to remain listening. This week on Miranda Warnings, we're very excited to have Alan Barinholtz, an attorney with Lepla Associates in Dayton, Ohio. He focuses on personal injury and medical malpractice cases in Ohio and Illinois. Welcome, Alan. Hi, David. How you doing? It is great to have you with us uh, because Alan is also an actor and he played <laughs> Judge Rosen in the series Jury Duty. The show looks at the legal system through the eyes of one real juror surrounded by dozens of actors. The show followed a person by the name of Ronald Gladden, a 29-year-old man living in Los Angeles County, California, as he served on a jury for three weeks in a civil liability case. The show has been nominated for four Emmy Awards this year, including an Emmy for Excellence in Casting. And we have one of those excellent cast choices with us today, Judge Rosen uh, from Jury <laughs> Duty. So before we get to the show, uh, Alan, please tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and your law practice. Sure, sure. Um, graduated from Ohio State 50 years ago, uh, got a BA in theater, and my intention was to move to Manhattan and be a Broadway actor. Uh, did a little stand-up comedy for a year or two. I think I got paid once or twice. Hmm. And a couple of years uh, after college, I was uh, selling radio time over the telephone. Uh, kind of successful, kind of boring. And having a, a drink with a buddy of mine who uh, was in law school. He was in town. And, and I said, gee, you know, it might not be a bad idea to get a law degree just from a business standpoint, but I'm, I'm 25 years old. I think I'm too old. And he laughed at me. So what are you talking about? I said, well, isn't law school like kind of like medical school, the older you are, the more difficult it is. He said, I've got men and women in my class in their forties and fifties. And I said, wow. So I applied to, I think four or five law schools. I got accepted to Loyola of Chicago the day my older son was born. And I thought that was a good omen. Uh, and the, the opening day speech that the dean gave, I said, uh, screw using this for business, pardon me. Uh, I want to be a lawyer. And uh, so I've been practicing law for all intents and purposes since 1980. Well, that's that's great. And you're practicing in Ohio. Is that right? You have cases in Ohio and Illinois? Yeah, I've been licensed in, in uh, Illinois since 1980. I've been licensed in Ohio, I think, since 2010. Uh, the reason I've got a dual license, my wife and I own a farm. I'm not a farmer uh, in Ohio. It's a farm that she grew up on. And I, I moved there full time, uh, I think, in 2018. And I and I've been back and forth for a long time. So I thought it'd be prudent to have a license there as well. So you said you had some small notoriety as a stand up before you went to law school. So <laughs> no, I didn't say I didn't say small. I said no notoriety. Oh, no notoriety. Paid, OK, I think I got paid for one time. What were your what, what kind of bits did you do? What was your what was your best, uh, you know, what was your best joke as, uh, it, it, as a stand up? Well, jokes are typically for family and friends. I, I did primarily um, uh, sketch type bits, observational type comedy. Uh, but I did, I did win a contest once for, for telling a joke on a radio station. The joke is a uh, guy goes to the doctor. The doctor says, I've got bad news and worse news. He said, what's the bad news? He says, well, you've got an incurable disease uh, and you'll be dead within 24 hours. He said, my God, what's worse than that? He said, well, I tried calling you yesterday. <laughs> 
<laughs> and, and I wound up winning a, a hundred and fifty dollar right. pair of Timberland shoes. Do you still have them? <laughs> I still have them. Yes. Well, the show was very funny. Yes, thank uh, you. Very funny, and uh, you were played the judge. Uh, you were very judgy, uh, <laughs> right? So it was it was good casting. Um, tell us, how did you come to get selected? To, to be on the show as a just as a practicing attorney, obviously with some background in theater, but uh, that it seemed like uh, a, a circuitous path to get to uh, the show. Yeah, I, I at the time I was, I, you know, I'm semi retired. I was probably doing about 10 hours of work a week. Uh, primarily, I do a lot of arbitrations for AAA three person panels. I've done some arbitrations as an arbitrator for FINRA. But I still had a, a PI practice because I've got clients from decades ago that will call me or they'll have fr friends or family call me. And we all, my wife and I always go to Los Angeles at Thanksgiving. My older son and my younger son both live here. I've got five grandkids out here. And both my sons are, are in uh, the business. They're actors, they're writers, they're pretty successful. And I got a phone call a, a couple of days before we were coming to LA and my older son, Mike, said, hey, remember Allison Bills? They said, yeah, Allison and Jennifer, I've done legal work for their family. I know they're members of the improv community. He said, well, uh, Allison works for a showrunner. And the showrunner asked her, do you know any judges or, or attorneys or retired or semi-retired who have any kind of improv experience? And she said, well, yeah, actually our family attorney, when his sons come into town, you probably know his sons. He'll get up on stage and do some stuff with his kids. And then it got back to Ike. Hey, are you, you see if your pop is interested in submitting a tape? And he, I said, what do I have to do? He said, well, when you're here this week, you'll go up to my office. You'll do a, a, a one minute riff on, you know, you'll act as a judge. And I said, yeah, okay, fine. I got there. My, my sons and my wife helped me out a little bit. I kind of, my son said, well, tell us about the most extraordinary trial you've ever tried, Your Honor. And I I channeled a few of the judges back from Cook County and uh, I submitted the tape. And the next day I got an email from the casting people saying, you're a strong pin for the judge. And I said, oh, great. Then I said to my kids, what does that mean? And they said, they're seriously considering you. And about a month later, they called and they said, uh, we'd like you to do this if you can come to L.A. for a couple of months. Wow. And my, yeah, my wife said, get out of here, go do it. Yeah, that's great. Good for good for her and good for them and good for you. You were you were a great judge. I, you know, Thank the you. show was so crazy. How did you keep a straight face, right? How did you keep a straight face? Because you you were all actors except for the one jury foreman, right? Yeah. And yeah. and so he the gig uh, he thought it was like a documentary that you were doing. Yeah, I mean that that was the premise. That's why. He didn't think it odd that there were cameras in the courtroom, but uh, as you see in the last episode, not only were there right. cameras in the courtroom, there were hidden cameras all over. Right. And uh, the one time I almost lost it. Uh, if you're familiar with the, the scene where uh, Todd, the, the eccentric inventor, comes in with the chair pants. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. I kind of, I started chuckling and I, I did all I could to keep from cracking up. And I mean, well, yeah, it was real tough. Yeah, that's not, I mean, I would think if a juror came in like that in real life, uh, it would probably be funny as well, right? 
so I, I don't know how they would let him get past in, in Cook County. I think that the Cook County sure would say, get the hell out of here. So I, for those who haven't seen the show, I mean, uh, maybe you could explain the premise. I'd be happy to go into it, but you could explain the sure. premise. So if they haven't seen it. So uh, apparently um, a couple of years ago, uh, some of the creators uh, sent out a blast on something like Craigslist or something like that, saying that if you've never served on a jury before um, and uh, you want to apply, uh, you don't have to be a California resident. Um, and it, you'll apply if you qualify. We're shooting a documentary of a real trial and uh, we'll pay you $400 a day if you so qualify, plus your travel expenses. And apparently, 2,500 people applied. Um, they, they, they bought that premise and, and they're lay people. So obviously as attorneys, that kind of would never happen. I can't see somebody from Kentucky serving on uh, an LA jury. Uh, of course, right. They, they bought that premise and a bunch of people applied and this young man, Ronald Gladden was chosen. And uh, he came to, uh, we had rehearsals for two weeks prior to him getting there. And when you say we, so you were the judge. There Correct. was he was one of what twelve jurors, plus uh, two, plus two alternates, plus two alternates, which became significant and uh, throughout the series. Correct. And they were all actors. Uh, yeah, they were. They were all improvisers, and right. pretty much unknown, with the exception of James Marsden, uh, who's well known. I feel like there's a chance that I might be an unwelcome uh, distraction. Why is that, sir? I'm a recognizable public figure. Respectfully, I don't recognize you. I'm sorry, who are you? <laughs> that's, uh, that's okay, a lot of people do. My most recent movie is this movie, Sonic the Hedgehog, and we were just, this gentleman and I were just chatting about it earlier and yesterday, and he's a big fan, and, and we- You were talking to this gentleman? Did you stand up? Do you know who this fella is? I do, yeah. It took me a little bit to notice him yesterday, but I recognized him, yes. And he played himself. He played a, a dickish version, version <laughs> if I'm allowed to say that, of himself. And yeah. he did it quite, I mean, he did he it well great, enough. Yeah. yeah, he's been nominated for uh, Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy. So that's great. That's great. So, and then, so then you had this person, Ron Gladden, who was the only person on the show that um, was not acting, that he Correct. was just, he was being himself. Correct. And when I, when I heard about the show, you know, you know the premise. And I thought, well, this isn't going to be particularly interesting because I know the reveal. Um, but it was fascinating uh, because the, the actors really were improvising, I think. And yeah. this gentleman, Ron Gladden, was such a nice guy, right? Was he, was he really like he was really a nice guy, right? As genuine as the day is long. He was, uh, he was so yeah. earnest about, yes. he was select there. So he was selected to be foreman by, of the jury by you, which is not typical, right? In no. A, and, and again, a, a lay person probably wouldn't get that. Uh, and I, I actually said to the producers, I said, guys, the jurors choose the, the four person. They said, we got it. Don't worry. And I said, okay, fine. It's your show, not mine. And, right. uh, it worked out very well. Right. So you said so before the 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 trial that we that was uh, that we viewed and it was uh, I think an eight part series. Correct. Uh, before the trial started, you had two weeks of prep. 
Correct. Is that what you said? And what did was was this kind of scripted or did you have like alternate scripts or did you have how much of it was scripted and how much of it was improvised? I'm going to say probably 85% off the cuff, 15% okay. scripted. There were certain beats that you had to follow. So the, the premise was uh, the courthouse was somewhat dilapidated. They found a closed courthouse mm. uh, in Huntington Park uh, in Los Angeles. And apparently they got permission from the city to kind of revamp it a tiny bit, but it still looked dilapidated. And the premise was the courthouse, as soon as this trial is over, it's shut down for good. This is my last trial after 30 some odd years on the bench. And uh, that that's that. And that's why I've allowed a documentary crew to come in and film this civil trial. And uh, so that was kind of the overview. And then we were, you know, we were given certain um, certain beats again, if you will, we knew that that uh, Marsden was going to be cast as an alternate. He wasn't going to get off the jury. He was going to try to frustrate the process. That's why the paparazzi come, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there was sequestration, which uh, actually worked in getting rid of everybody's cell phones and iPads. Uh, and uh, so everybody, I mean, in reality, Ronald was the only one who truly was without it. Uh, and the sheriff's deputy said, every night you'll be allowed to, you know, make a certain amount, number of calls. We're kind of going to be around to monitor, et cetera, et cetera. And a few of the actors had an earpiece in. So for example, I had an earpiece in that couldn't be seen. And if let's say, for example, the attorneys were going on too long or something in the courtroom needed to move along, Jake Shemansky, the director, would say, uh, get, get the attorney's attention. We got to do something. And I would say, counsel, could you approach? And they would approach and, and I would basically say, you know, cut this line of questioning or whatever. So well, that's, that's just like real life. <laughs> that's exactly correct. And, and if something was going wrong where where the other jurors suspected that Ronald was trying to catch on, they'd let the director know. So maybe they they shifted that. And uh, I, I think the, the chair pants thing, one of the intentions was they were going to try to let that go as long as possible and possibly have Ronald sit there for the entire trial. I'm sorry, uh, David sit there for the entire trial with his chair pants on. Uh, they knew that that was going to be a bridge too far. Yeah, so the chair pants was one of the jurors was like an amateur inventor, and he he kept coming in each each day with a, a different invention. And one day he came in with what were described as chair pants, right? So pants that would you would able to adjust and and sit without actually having a chair. And he'd walk. He was walking around with these chair pants on his on his legs, and it caused a disruption. And I think you as a judge asked him to remove his chair pants right, right in the, and he had to go in the corner of the room and, yes. and remove them. Are you standing up, sir? Uh, no, Your Honor, I'm sort of in between st standing and sitting. I, I'd, I'd like to sit. I uh, wanted to comply. What's, I, what's the problem with the chair? Uh, there's no problem with the chair, Your Honor. I'm just, um, uh, I have to, I uh, ha have a um, uh, attachment, a device that I can't sit in the chair. So that I don't think uh, ordinarily happens. Uh, not not in, in any trial I've ever been involved. I have a question for you. In the first episode, 
you cut your hand yeah it was that part of the script or did you really cut your hand what was no. what was what it, why did that happen so so what the premise was and they didn't show it fully when ronald came to uh the courthouse when he was bussed there and he was standing outside with several jurors what the production crew had set up they're standing in the parking lot and a woman walks by with a baby stroller and she closes the stroller and she puts it over her shoulder and she breaks the car window and it's my car window oh. shatters and they didn't show that so then and ronald presumably saw this and that and was then, unscripted the breaking of your window was unscripted? no that that was a setup oh that, that was a setup that was okay a setup, but, but but ronald didn't obviously know it was a setup and then at lunchtime I go out and, and Marsden tries to get my attention to curry favor with me so he can get off the jury. And I kind of shoo him away. Then I go to my car. And again, they don't show this. I put my hand inside the window. They had a little blood packet there. I, I put some something on my hand. I wrapped it in a paper towel. And then I went back past the lunch wagon with this bloody hand. And in order to sustain it for the entire three weeks i always had to have my hand wrapped and after about a week it went to just a band-aid and then and i don't know if they showed this in the last episode where they're talking to ronald after everything but he asked me he said did you really cut your hand and i said right. no i didn't so but the the hand cutting didn't really move the story in any direction the the only thing it did david and again i don't think they showed this when we were doing voir dire I immediately, I immediately let go. I was real kind and I was real nice. And I let go of the woman who was in her nineties. I said, you don't have to stay. And the guy who said, I have an operation. And the woman said, I have to pick up my kids. You're dismissed. You're dismissed. After I cut my hand, I came back and I was grumpy. I told Marcy <laughs> to sit down. I told the guy, you're not getting out. Okay. So that was, that was that premise. I see. So that was for your, your change in temperament uh, before and after. So you, so this was eight episodes. I forget how long they were, maybe 35, 40 minutes Correct. each. And how many hours of taping did you have? Oh, uh, boy. That, that oh. this was whittled down to maybe five or six hours? Uh, hundreds. Hundreds of hours. Not any, I mean, right. we, we the, the an average day was at least eight to 10 hours a day. And typically, we would get there at least a couple of hours before Ronald got there just to talk over what happened, you know, that day, what we need to consider and, and concentrate on. And then, yeah, we, sometimes we, we started at 6.15 in the morning and got out at seven o'clock at night. There were hundreds of hours of tape. Now, now uh, my understanding is that you also did a lot of uh, preparation when the when Ron Gladden wasn't there, right? So you would have, oh, yeah. like, so if the court had a day off, you would you guys would still be working correct on preparing like what the, the alternatives for the next scene would be yeah yeah uh witnesses there was a scene where the the uh the female influencer uh uh she and they didn't show this uh she's sitting on the witness stand and she recognizes marston who's sitting you know uh in in the gallery and she starts looking and she says james and I'm, you know, writing, not paying attention. She said, is that you? And then I say, whoa, what are you doing? And she says, oh, James, it's me. I was at a party. And, and, and I, I told her to shut up. I said, sir, get up here. 
And, and there's this whole colloquy that I wish they would show that in, in these, uh, these scenes that were cut. It was hilarious. Right. The outtakes. So the, you had, so you, you had a, a, a full trial, you had a plaintiff and a defendant and you had, they each had attorneys. Correct. And my understanding is that attorneys were actors, but they were at one point were also attorneys uh, uh, in real life. Yeah. Trish Lafash, yeah, Trish Lafash, who played plaintiff's counsel. She worked in Manhattan uh, before she went to Hollywood many years, not many years ago, but several years ago. She did criminal defense work, if memory serves me. Uh, Evan Williams uh, still has his license. He's still affiliated with, I, I believe, a New Orleans PI firm. He's also a writer. He helped write the show. So, yeah, they had both attorneys. Now, did you have situations where, you know, there, I mean, because the, the, the factual premise and some of the antics that occurred uh, were were truly bizarre, and but humorous. Uh, did you have situations between yourself and the other uh, attor uh, two attorneys that were that were formerly attorneys say this would never happen? We can't, we can't do this. this would yeah, never yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, we. I'm kind of a stickler for the rules of evidence, simply because I've been a trial lawyer for forty years. Uh, them, not so much. So. Uh, I would get comments, you know, don't object to, and don't, don't, you know, to the one attorney saying to the other, don't object too much because, you know, we can't. And I said, wait a second, if what he's saying is clearly hearsay and this guy doesn't object, what the hell? But, but Evan played a very incompetent attorney uh, yes, and he's the opposite. And uh, so, yeah, we had a lot of discussion about objecting and not objecting and how far could this go? So he was the, and he was, he, he was a good actor because he did seem yeah. very incompetent. And I loved the scene at the beginning when he was trying to get the, they were trying to do a vi video representation of, of the, the incident. Yes. And it was just a horrible graphic and he broke the TV screen and he everything did. that could possibly go wrong, went wrong. And, and in fact, nobody except, they told me, Evan's going to knock the TV over. The jury, <laughs> the jury did not know that. So at the end, the 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 uh, defendant ends up doing his own closing, right? Because his, yes. his attorney was was so incompetent, he does his own closing. Yes, and uh, I I got to use you know he was he was going back and forth like Woody Allen did in Bananas. <laughs> and that's when I said to him, I said, young man, this is not Bananas. And uh, it was very funny. That is a great scene, actually, in Bananas. So, you know, were there times when you or the, the producers felt that things were going so bizarre that, that Ron was going to figure this out, that this was just a, a setup? Did you get nervous? I, I, I said to them, I, I said, I think the chair pants is a bridge too far. Uh, and, <laughs> and they they allowed it only in so far as, OK, take them off in the courtroom. We're not going to sit with them. Uh, I when when Ben, the defendant, did his own closing, then they had Whitney, who played the plaintiff. She then they, they then said, well, let her do her rebuttal. And I said. No, I, I thought that was absurd. Right. Uh, but, you know, I'm obviously overruled and I guess it played out okay. 
So well, I yeah, thought the just... rebuttal was hilarious. I mean, yeah. as far as a, the show goes, so now uh, the defendant uh, does his own closing. Right. And then it looked like all the facts were leaning towards the plaintiff in this case, going up to that point. I mean, he, the defendant had his own mother come on and she testified against him. She kind of did. <laughs> and then so at the last minute, the plaintiff decides she's going to do her own rebuttal, even though her attorney was perfectly competent. Yes. And she just tanked it. Uh, right? did. I mean, that, that kind of sent it over the edge. So, so now we get to the final episode, and you played the crucial role in the dramatic reveal to Ron, and that was really the centerpiece of the whole show. Was that moment? Well, thank you, you, thank you. When, when you do the reveal, as I said weeks ago when you first entered this courtroom that this was the last trial of my career what i didn't tell you is it's also the first uh because i'm not a real judge and you're not a real four person this is not a real case what each of your fellow jurors as well as the defendant the plaintiff bailiff nikki myself we're all actors. <laughs> Everything you saw was carefully planned. What I'm saying is, it was all fake, except for one important element, you. How did you prepare for that? And how much was scripted and how much was uh, uh, ad-libbed by you? And then did you have concern about how Ron was gonna react? Uh, I'll answer the second question first. I had concern and the, the director, the producers had concern. And what they said, and I don't think they showed this in the last episode, they said that if he looks like he's freaking out or if he can't take this, because, you know, you, if, if you've been living with people for three weeks and all of a sudden, even though we didn't say you've been pranked, you realize you've been pranked, you have no idea how this person is going to react. And they said, if it starts going south, Tell him, you know what, Ronald, this is a lot to take in. If you want to come out, come on with me and sit in my chambers for a few minutes just to gather your thoughts. And I, I did say that. And he said, no, I, I think I'm okay. So there was some concern there. Uh, a lot of that reveal was scripted with some improv. Um, but that was, that was the most nervous I was during the entire production. I got to be honest, David, I wasn't nervous except for the reveal. That made me right. more nervous than anything. Well, it was very dramatic. You did it in a you did it in a nice way. I think uh, you said some you know very nice things about Ron, which I think were all deserved. Plus, uh, you threw in a uh, hundred grand, which always makes things uh, go down a little smoother. Doesn't hurt. <laughs> so, so that was uh, that was good. Now, did you have a chance to talk to Ron, like just privately afterwards, about some of his? Sure feelings sure. and 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 yeah. what was his what was his uh reaction to, well, to going through this like i said he looked at me and he said so you really didn't hurt your hand i mean all these <laughs> little things he's wondering what happened he's just the kindest person and the the great thing is that ronald has maintained relationships with a number of the cast members since the show and uh he's just a good good guy Right. So they were, were they, they were all really sequestered. No, right? 
No. Oh, okay. So what happened was I said, tomorrow you'll be sequestered. And because we couldn't get this done in time, five of you are going to go to this hotel. The remainder are going to go to this hotel. Oh. So, every, so those five were sequestered. They got okay. in the bus. They took them. The other nine or whatever got in another bus. That bus drove around the block until the other bus left. And then they came back and went home. Oh, so only the five were sequestered. Correct. And Correct. one of them, one of those five was Martson, though, right? Because no. it wasn't. Oh, oh yes. Well, Marston oh. was going to get sequestered with those five. But then if you recall, he, he said he got permission from the oh, sheriff's right. deputy to have right. his own private deputy with him. Right. right. He paid for his own Correct. private security. Right. So so then it would only be the only him and three others that were. No, it was it was Todd. It was uh, um, Edie, uh, who was tempting this, this uh, very right. religious young man. It was Ronald. And I can't think of the 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 the, the uh, other person offhand and Marson came back to the hotel to do some rehearsal with, with Ronald right, right. for a movie he was trying to get in. So this was really, I, now when you were doing this, did you think, oh, this is going to be a hit or were you thinking this is going to be uh, ridiculous? Uh, what, what were your thoughts going through the process? Did you think that they had something or did you think that, I, I don't know what this is. The, uh, in my wildest dreams, I never imagined that it would take off the way it has taken off. I joined uh, the Screen Actors Guild uh, when I got cast. So I finally became a union person after, you know, my, during my entire life. And uh, I just thought, you know what, I'm acting. I wanted to act 50 years ago and now I'm doing it. And who knows what's going to happen. But David, for the life of me, I don't think anyone ever thought it would catch fire like it did. Right, right. Now, you mentioned the Screen Actors Guild, and, yeah. and we're in the middle of uh, of uh, an important uh, Screen Actors Guild strike. Correct. Uh, tell us a little bit about that from you know from your perspective. You just joined, and now you're on strike suddenly. You know, I called a cousin of mine. He said, "What are you doing today?" I said, "Well, I'm going to Ike's house, my younger son, my older son." I said, and then we're going to the picket line, and there was a pause, and I said. You know what? I never thought I would say that sentence in my entire life. Um, yeah, I joined the union uh, and I've marched on the picket line. Uh, and it's uh, it's good. It's not only good, it's important. It's what what we in the Screen Actors Guild are trying to achieve, in my opinion, eclipses all the success of everything. It's It's about fairness. It's about residuals. It's about AI. And, uh, you know, now I'm, I'm uh, doing something that I never thought I would do. And it's really, really important. We're going to be going, a group of us tomorrow will be going to Amazon. A group of the jury duty actors will be going to Amazon and just make our voices heard. It's really important. So you and, and some of the other actors that you, you worked with on jury duty are, are, uh having a uh, a reunion now at, at amazon yeah. uh, in, gonna, support, in support yeah, of the it's, guild it's in support of the sag and aftra and and the writers as well and uh i don't know how long this is going to last my both my sons are in in both unions and the writers guild has been on strike since may uh we've only been on strike a little over a week and uh you know it 
it could go a long time. We'll see. Um, but we're fighting the good fight, and it's really important. Right. Well, I, I certainly respect your uh, support for uh, the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, and But I wonder, uh, do you have anything else, uh, any other acting that's on the horizon? Obviously, all that would be on hold now, but do you have any uh anything that you think you might uh, either be trying out for uh, sure. should the strike end or anything else that you have your your eyes on a couple of things uh before the strike there's a tv show called physical i shot an episode of that there's a, a pilot that is going to be made into a show this fall uh i shot an episode of that and then the labor issues hit and everything is on hold i'm comfortable with the success of the show that once everything uh, ends, I think there'll be some work. Uh, I, you know, as I said, if Law & Order were shot in L.A., I'd probably have a full-time gig as a judge. So, right. Well, you, you you did a great job. You, you have a, a great judicial temperament. And uh, the show was great, Jury Duty, and you're a great judge. And we couldn't be more happy uh, to have you here uh, talking about the show Jury Duty, uh, Alan Barinholtz, Judge Rosen on Jury Duty on Miranda Warnings. Uh, thanks so much, Alan. My pleasure. Thank you so much. This is fantastic. This has been Miranda Warnings, a New York State Bar Association podcast. You have the right to subscribe, rate, and review. 